Okay, so last week it was the number seven. We just dealt with one and talked about that being this uh, perfection number kind of idea. Uh, perfect meaning complete, uh, reaching, designed end. That's kind of the idea. Uh, things working as they're intended, all of that sort of stuff. So when you think of the creation week being seven days, that's as long as God wanted that to be. Uh, yes, he creates everything in six days, but there are seven days in the creation week that rest is a, an important part of that whole thing. Uh, we talked about a number of other sevens, like with Jericho, uh, where there's uh, several sevens there. Uh, we talked about Naaman, you know, how many times does he need to go in order to get rid of this leprosy? Uh, why, why not once? Why not, uh, you know, this, his question was, why can't I do it over here? So his question was one of uh, geography. I want to go to this spot instead of this spot. Uh, but the number of times, go do this seven times, that's the complete amount of times. Uh, and when we have references to any number of angels or eyes or things like that, the point of that in Revelation is to suggest God's everywhere. He sees everything. There, there's not anything that's going unnoticed, uh, and there's not anything that's going to be left incomplete. God is going to finish to bring about completion uh, these things that are being talked about here in Revelation. That was the point of seven. Now, that question of yeah, why, though, why did God pick seven? Why did he? It's a good question. Let's continue. Uh, occurrences of two. On page number one, we're going to start with the number two, work through several numbers for as long as we can. Okay, uh, we have two show up a, a number of times. Uh, here, from the very beginning, you have the sharp two-edged sword, a face like the shining, sun shining in its full strength, uh, talking about a reference to Jesus here. We covered that several classes ago. Uh, but the two-edged sword idea uh, is also brought up in Hebrews, uh, also talking about the word, uh, though... That may not that may be a reference to Jesus there as well. That's a whole nother thing. Uh, but this idea of two-edged sword uh, and its connection to Jesus is brought up in a couple places. Uh, that's brought up again in chapter two, verse twelve. The words of him who has a sharp two-edged sword. Uh, and then you start to have this. So the third one down, it's chapter eleven, verse three, and then verse four follows right after it. I will grant authority to my two witnesses. They will prophesy for. 1,260 days, that's not a number that we're looking at today, by the way, uh, clothed in sackcloth. And then the next one, there are two olive trees and two lampstands that stand before the Lord of earth. Uh, and then you have two prophets in the next verse, two wings of the great eagle, uh, which may not seem super significant. Uh, beast rising out of the earth that had two horns like a lamb. Uh, and then you have the beast being captured here, uh, as well as the false prophet. And it says at the end there, these two were thrown alive uh, into the lake of fire that burns with sulfur there. Uh, so you have two being used in a good way, talking about Jesus being this two-edged sword. That is a good thing. Uh, you have the two witnesses that God has in place there. 
the olive trees, lampstands, all that stuff, standing before the Lord. Those are That's a good usage of the word, a positive usage of the word. Uh, but then you also have some negative usage of the word with the two beasts, um, both of them being thrown in. That's a good thing that happens. Uh, but the two of these individuals not being uh, good here. Here's why two matters. This is under Gematria there on page one. I know we're going quick, like through stuff. That's how it's got to be. Uh, okay, Gematria. Two, this is the letter uh, Bet. Has to do with uh, house, tent, uh, to build, division. Uh, I don't have the chart actually on this because then it would be like nine pages and that's ridiculous. Uh, <laughs> so we didn't do it that way. Uh, it would have been great if this class was seven pages long. Something good about that. Should have thought about that. <laughs> deleted some stuff. Uh, but this, this has to do with uh, building something. Uh, the, the letter itself is going to resemble. Uh, that's, that's the thing about Hebrew is that it does have uh, similar to hi, uh, hieroglyph. Like it has a uh, pictorial purpose that the way that it's written is meant to convey something just by the image. And then that also has some other meanings connected to it. Uh, because of the image or similar to the image or that develop uh, as a result of that. It's an interesting language. Uh, in fact, what I've been told about Hebrew, and I've done some amount of Hebrew work, I've done more Greek stuff, and the reason for that is uh, Greek is a lot easier at the beginning, and then it starts to get hard towards the end as far as language goes. Hebrew is uh, has been described to me this way, it's like this as a learning curve, and then you hit the plateau and everything's pretty great, uh, if you can get there. It's an extremely difficult language to understand because it's gone through a number of iterations from where it started to where it is now uh, and how all of that has developed. Anyway, uh, the second letter has to do with house or tent, uh, a dwelling place, uh, building something like a house or a tent, uh, or building something together uh, so there is this kind of unity to becoming one kind of idea. So you might think about uh, the way marriage is described throughout the Bible to becoming one. There is this uh, building together kind of thing. Uh, but it's also, of course, a uh, dividing word. Uh, when we talk about the double-edged sword and go to the Hebrews reference, uh, that talks about that being a divisive thing, that it, it splits, separates um, uh, soul, spirit, all of that sort of stuff. So it can be division, that there are two things and they are opposed to each other. You can also have two things that come together uh, as one, kind of dwell together. That's our house word and all of that. That makes sense? doesn't matter if it does. Uh, we don't have time to, <laughs> time to dwell on it. Okay. Uh, but it, it, it indicates kind of this idea of what God is desiring to build, uh, God is desiring of unity. God is desiring of bringing things together. Uh, some of the language that we'll have later on, uh, I think much later towards the end of our Revelation study, uh, will be this heaven and earth separated idea and then one idea. And so we'll come to that. But what God is trying to do within the world, uh, bringing two things together, uh, building his house, that, uh, that idea of that idea of the indwelling of the Holy Spirit is that sort of, uh, of deal of dwelling, 
uh, as one with God. That's what we had in the garden and where we end in Revelation of being one with God. This is just me throwing stuff out. I should not go off script today uh, with as much as we have. Uh, Let's talk about some more Old Testament references here. Bottom of page one, you need to have two or three witnesses uh, in order to find someone guilty of a crime. Uh, There's a couple Deuteronomy references there. It also comes back up in Matthew and some other places as well. Pretty standard. Uh, Two is the number of trees given to us in the garden. The reason we're highlighting that uh, is one of those two trees makes an appearance at the end of Revelation, the tree of life. Uh, But you also have the tree of knowledge of good and evil. That tree is not, not, neither of those trees is bad necessarily, uh, but they do represent a, uh, what God wanted them to have, what God did not want them to have. There's that kind of divided to sort of deal. Uh, and then we obviously know how Genesis plays out uh, with the choice there, and you have the choice being made to act in rebellion against God. Uh, we've talked about already with the bad guys in uh, our two classes ago, and then the, and then the class uh, before that as well, uh, that Revelation is ultimately about two empires. Uh, yeah, Rome and the Christian people, sure. But bigger than that, those that are going to work with God and those that are going to work against God, uh, that that's, that's what we see throughout Daniel, even though there are multiple nations there, two choices. You're going to be with God or are you going to be against God? Uh, and that's that's what you end up with. There are two choices. Uh, we talked about in one of our open house lessons, the sheep and the goats thing. There are two options. There are two choices. Are you going to be with God or in rebellion with him here? Uh, and so that's kind of our summary there in Revelation. Two is important because we have these two choices, the beast and the lamb, and that's what we're presented throughout the book. Uh, and God has these people working with him, these two witnesses or these images of what his kingdom looks like. Uh, all of that stuff is on his side. Then you also have these, uh, you know, the beast and the false prophet, the two of them working in rebellion, trying to lead people astray. God's desire is that we would pick him over the other. That's ultimately why two matters in this book. Okay. I think we got that part. Uh, Also, according to the recorder, I spent too long talking about two. Let's move on to three. Okay, uh, three. Three is an interesting number. Uh, It's not always written directly out for us, uh, but it does show up for us in the text to find. Uh, Just going through these references very quickly, uh, we have three angels in chapter 8, verse 13 there in our first reference. But I want you to note as well, uh, Then I looked, and I heard an eagle crying with a loud voice as it flew directly overhead, Woe, woe, woe to those who dwell on the earth. Okay, the, the triple repetition of some of these phrases shows up. Now, it doesn't say three woes here, uh, but that... That's what's happening. The the fact that it's repeated three times is significant. We'll have another one of those in just a minute. Uh, You have three plagues in chapter 9, verse 18. Uh, You have three and a half mentioned in the next one there in chapter 11 and verse 9. Uh, We'll deal more with three and a half maybe 
later. It's on your paper anyway, uh, so you can kind of look more at that. Uh, in chapter 16, verse 13, you have out of the mouth of the dragon, out of the mouth of the beast, and out of the mouth of the false prophet. So that's three individuals that are bad uh, that are listed there. And then it says, out of their mouths, three unclean spirits like frogs. So you have another three there explicitly. Uh, the great city was split into three parts. City of the nations fell. God remembered Babylon the great to make her drain the cup of wine of the fury of his wrath. So punishment here, but there's a splitting into a third part. Uh, and then talking about the kingdom of, of heaven on the east, three gates, on the north, three gates, on the south, three gates, and on the west, three gates. Uh, so you have all these repeatings of threes. Uh, you also have three angels within Revelation 14 that are mentioned there, and this one matters. In Revelation chapter 4, uh, you, we, we hear this phrase in the throne room of God, holy, 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 this triple repeti uh, repetition. Uh, the only other time you're going to see that triple repetition is in a throne room of God scene with Isaiah. Uh, where he also sees that same sort of thing. Holy, holy, holy. They're, they're going around talking about God in this way. Uh, there is something about that uh, triplet uh, that is important and significant, and it's a really positive thing uh, towards God when it's holy, 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 uh, but that also means it's significant whenever you have whoa, 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 too. You know, this group here, uh, it's going to be a, uh, just as his holiness is a big deal, their punishment's going to be a big deal. Okay, under the gematria there, uh, three, this is the letter gimel uh, in Hebrew there, represents ripening uh, to nourish or maturing. It's used to communicate growth, rebirth, uh, resurrection ideas, and all of that stuff. Uh, so when we think about references with that in mind, okay, uh, we don't have necessarily direct references to three outside of the holy, holy, holy we mentioned. Uh, the Jewish people would often talk about three heavens. They would also sometimes talk about seven heavens. It just kind of depended on who you were reading and how, what they were trying to communicate. Uh, but the three heavens would be sky, universe, and then the place where God is, the, the third heaven. Uh, Paul uses that phrase, the third heaven. Knows somebody who's caught up to the third heaven. Uh, and then, yeah, sometimes they have seven in their way of listening. It's still ultimately those three. They just subdivide it even further. Anyway, uh, you have the Trinity as well, which is not a Bible word that you're going to find, but is a word describing a biblical concept of Father, Son, and Spirit uh, being God. Uh, so three being united there and all of that. Uh, Jonah is in the big fish three days uh, and nights, and this account's connected to the resurrection of Jesus, uh, that he's going to be there three days uh, within the tomb and all of that. Uh, also, the word three and the word, uh, the third letter in the Hebrew alphabet probably has to do with ripening and nourishing and maturing because of the creation week. Seeds are created on the third day. So this idea of growth, either from beginning to its end, uh, being connected to three, goes back to the creation. Sorry about that. You're awake now, and I've ruined this microphone forever. I don't know. Do I need to move forward? No, so is your cell phone close to the transmitter? Probably. That sounds like a cell phone transmitter. 
Again, I cannot wait to record or uh, edit this recording as well. <laughs> It'll be fantastic. Okay, top of page three. Um, this number is going to show, if, if three has to do with maturing and ripening and all that sort of stuff, uh, bringing something to uh, being fully mature or grown, uh, this number shows kind of the finishing off of the opponents uh, during this persecution and empire. We need to see kind of some of our references in order to get that. Um, some of our, our threes here about the woes, right? This is uh, God's going to complete this punishment. He's going to start this with one. It's going to end in this way. Like it, it's going to get worse and then it'll, it'll finish off there. Uh, but it also deals with the maturing of the Christian faith through this persecution uh, of well, it's a, it's a Peter idea as well as a Paul idea in Romans. This idea that uh, persecution uh, it helps us to have this stronger faith as we go through it uh, and maintain our faith towards God. Uh, as we deal with those things, our faith just becomes stronger and stronger, uh, and so we mature in that sort of way. Uh, and then you also have the call for maturity and understanding for the Christians here. Uh, that's another idea with, with this number. Okay. <coughs> Questions about that? Fantastic. We'll keep going. Uh, top of page three. I don't think I can make that joke again, so I got full mileage out of it. Uh, occurrences of four on page three. Do we, do we go all the way through? So yeah, so then we'll, we'll move a little quicker on the next one because we'll skip five and go right to six. It's not that five doesn't matter. It's that it doesn't matter today. Because uh, there are too many other numbers. Um, the entirety of the rest of page three is references to the number four. Okay, so there are quite a few of them. Uh, four living creatures uh, you have there in the first couple of, uh, well, let's see, one, two, three, four, yeah, uh, five, six, seven, yeah, the first seven references, all the way through chapter six, verse six, okay, uh, are the four are four living creatures saying "Holy, holy, holy," or flying around and all of this stuff. Uh, and so you have all of that taking place there. These four living creatures that are uh, that have been described in God's throne room, chapter seven, verse one. There, about the middle of your page, I saw four angels standing at the four corners of the earth, holding back the four winds of the earth, that no wind might blow on earth or sea or against any tree. Um, this uh, idea is the, the four corners is not a, ah, all the, the Christians and all those people were flat earthers and all that. That's not the purpose of that phrasing uh, whatsoever. Uh, Any more maybe than uh, when Isaiah is talking about the curvature of the earth. Okay, well, did they go back on that? What's the deal? Probably reading a little bit too much into those things. That's not what this is dealing with. This is an all-encompassing, uh, that God is holding back all of the wind. He's not. He, he's all over the earth here. He's dealing with this whole area. That's the idea of the phrase. Don't need to think any more about it from there. Uh, we have four angels again in chapter 7, verse 2. Uh, chapter 7, verse 11, all the angels uh, were standing on the throne around the elders and the four living creatures. They're back again there in the throne room. Um, the sixth angel, this is chapter 9, verse 13, blew his trumpet, and I heard a voice from the four horns of the golden altar before God. The next verse says, release the four angels. In chapter 9, verse 15, 
So the four angels. So you have uh, this emphasis on four about they're all going and doing this and, and all those things. Okay. Uh, chapter 14, verse 3 there, closer to the bottom now. They were singing a new song before the throne and before the four living creatures and before the elders. Uh, no one could learn that song except the 144,000. We will look at that number. Uh, who had been redeemed from the earth. Four living creatures again in chapter 15, verse 7. Four living creatures again in chapter 19. Uh, four corners of the earth again there in chapter 20 and verse 8. There's our last reference to, uh, to four. Okay, so we have a lot of them, but they mostly have to do with uh, these, well, these angelic beings, uh, spiritual beings, uh, and their purposes. The angels are holding back the four corners of the earth, all this sort of stuff. Uh, so it has to do with spiritual things in this case uh, and what God is doing through those things for the most part. Okay, top of page four. That worked out well. Uh, four, which is the, the letter Dalet in Hebrew, it's associated with door. It actually looks, I mean, if you looked at it on the chart from last week, it does look like a uh, kind of a part of a door in, in an abstract way. Uh, door, so it means door, uh, draw out uh, the path or way of something, like you're going to somebody's door. Uh, but it also has to do with dominion uh, or authority, as weird as that might sound. But uh, it, it gets less weird when we kind of consider uh, going into somebody's house. Who's in charge? Whose house is it? Right? Like that they have dominion over. Uh, their area and all this stuff. If you think back to two that we talked about earlier and this desire of God to bring these things together to build and and make this house, connect these pieces together and to unify them, uh, then when we think about what is God in control over, what belongs to God? Well, his creation belongs to him. Uh, that sort of idea. Uh, so, when we think about where does God have dominion, where does God have authority? Over the earth, which is what we see throughout these references. That God is sending out uh, these angels and giving them authority to go carry out this task that he's asked them to do, which encompasses the whole of the, the earth and the creation here. Okay, uh, some Old Testament references here. Uh, this is one where we don't have the Revelation reference. It's in Revelation 6. Uh, I didn't put the Revelation reference in here because it doesn't actually have the word four in it, but there are four. Uh, the four horsemen of the apocalypse. You've probably maybe heard that phrase before. Uh, one of the weird, fun, cool things in Revelation. Uh, but this is from Ezekiel uh, and a very good Old Testament reference for us to know. For thus says the Lord God, how much more when I send my four severe judgments against Jerusalem, sword, famine, wild beasts, and plague to cut off man and beast from it. Uh, you will find those four elements within the description of the four horsemen of the apocalypse in Revelation 6. Uh, and so there's that continued idea uh, there in connection. But here's the point. Four is important because... These references remind the reader of what God is doing in the world and the authority that he carries. Why would that be significant for them? Because throughout the book, all the bad guys that we've talked about, they're going to feel as if we're losing. Where is God? Uh, does God care about us? Can God do anything about this? And this number is a another, not the only, because we've talked about the word conquer 
uh, it, but it is another reinforcing of God's in control over all of this. Keep going. Stay with him. He's, he's going to take care of this. He has authority over all these things. God is working in the world. Okay, uh, let's look at 6, which is going to mostly be about uh, our 666 number. Don't forget the verse uh, that we have that we, we brought up last week, that we didn't cover last week, but that we brought up last week. This calls for wisdom. Let the one who has understanding calculate the number of the beast, for it is the number of a man, and his number is 666. Uh, we talked about this verse being very important, especially with the gematria stuff, because it is a biblical uh, encouragement from John as he's writing these things down to say, here's the number, and that number equals an individual, a man. You guys know how to do this stuff. So apply understanding, and you can figure out who this is. Okay, this, is not a, this is not a question for them of, what are you talking about numbers and all of these things? This would have been more common for them. It's weird for us. Uh, and it's for that reason, uh, and I've had a few of these stories shared with me from a few others uh, and things like that. Also, This is also true of my grandmother. She went and got a license plate, and it had 666 on it. So you know what she did with that license plate? I'm going to need a new license plate. That's what she did. <laughs> Took it back because that's ah, a bad number. It's an evil number. That's a, And it's representative of an evil thing within Revelation. Uh, but if you somehow find... I don't know, that number somewhere or whatever, you get a phone call. That was another one. Somebody got a phone call that had uh, those numbers. Or, or you're standing in a uh, you're standing in a checkout line and you have we have one of those numbers that you pull and all of that stuff. And that happens to be the okay, that doesn't mean that you're evil or that you need to run out of there or that something's going to happen. Are you going to contradict all this no, stuff? No, I okay. didn't need to wait <laughs> If you look up in the directory and need to call my wife's cell phone, it's 8666. <laughs> it's the last number. Just, uh, okay. <laughs> See, that kind of stuff right there. Uh, I, um, I'm trying to remember. I looked it up last night. So when, when I had taught on how to study the Bible, we did apocalyptic literature stuff, and I mentioned this. Uh, where my dad's the youngest of six, uh, and if you were to, let's see, I'm trying to make sure I have it all. Oh, my last name, obviously, Dodgen. There's another six, six letters there. And then if you take Jack David Dodge and you get to 15 letters, one plus five equals six, <laughs> there's three sixes. We got there. Uh, this kind of, and that sounds ridiculous, because it is. People do it anyway. And they've done it with, uh, they did it with Obama, they've done it with Bush, with Bill Clinton, with Donald Trump, with Russia, with China, with every possible situation. Trying to find, is this the one that the Bible's talking about? Is this the, no, because that means nothing to the readers of this book. It means absolutely nothing to the modern reader of this book. And it sure sounds like in chapter 13, verse 18, that this is something they could have figured out. And they wouldn't have done this work and gone, got it, it's China. What in the world is that? Uh, you know, like, they, that's, that's not, it's not relevant to them. It was written to them. Uh, and yes, there's future stuff that's discussed in here, but the way that this says, calls for wisdom, let the one who has understanding calculate the number of the beast, for it is the number of a man. 
his number is 666. This is not a, hey, this isn't for you guys, but a couple thousand years down the line or more, who knows? Uh, it'll be relevant to them, and so I need to put this in here. That's, that is a bad way of reading any book of the Bible to say, oh, this was written for me 2,000 years later and has nothing to do with the original audience. Uh, we apply from these things, and there is going to be some future stuff in Revelation when we get to the uh, new heavens, new earth, uh, as it talked, is talked about there at the end of Revelation. But they are told they can have understanding, uh, use, uh, use wisdom and understanding to calculate this number, know who this man is. Okay, we'll go from there. Uh, Gematria, here's why six generally, six has positive uses, Six is used in a good way throughout the Bible. You can find those things. But six often gets uh, regarded as a negative number, uh, mostly because if seven is perfect, six is just one shy of that. So it's like coming close to perfection, but ultimately falling short of all of that, uh, not quite getting there. Um, and that's, that's sort of the idea uh, with six and why it's regarded in such a bad way. Uh, and so when you have, again, the triplet idea, six, 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 when you have six, three times, you have this repetition that becomes significant, and it's like failure three times. Uh, it's falling short three times, that kind of an idea. All of that is to communicate this man's not a good individual, obvious, as if we needed more of that. Okay, This number just reinforces the fact that the man who's identified as the beast is not a good person. <laughs> okay, that's, that's all this is. Okay, uh, there are some references. There's one reference to 666 with, well, two, but it's Kings and Chronicles, so basically one. Uh, the weight of gold that came to Solomon in one year was 666 talents of gold. Um, Solomon wouldn't have gotten that gold and then said, we got to get one more or I need to throw one of these away. Uh, that's, that's, that's just what he received in all of this. Uh, there are some that make the connection from this number back to that. Um, talking about uh, Solomon, obviously, great king until he became a horrible king that led them into division and all of that. Wealth being part of that, his choices being another part of that, ultimately uh, not using wisdom, which this verse is talking about using wisdom, uh, and then following after other things instead of God. So there are a lot of parallels to Revelation and what Solomon did. Maybe that's where the connection should go. Uh, at least that's a good way to think. Okay, Old Testament connections is the better thing to do instead of looking at modern day connections and trying to stretch something there. Uh, but you also have Goliath as well as another giant uh, that is connected to sixes. Uh, Goliath was six cubits in a span uh, and he's an individual and part of this line of individuals. If you are in our spiritual realm class that is actively in rebellion against God. Uh, and so six is connected to them. Uh, there's another giant, six fingers on each hand, six toes on each foot. This just idea of sixes, that's not how that's supposed to be. And here's this thing that's in rebellion against God. Uh, so you have sixes kind of connected to that. Nebuchadnezzar, uh, and I spelled cubits wrong there. Nebuchadnezzar builds a statue at 60 cubits high, six, six across, right? So these ideas of sixes being associated with rebellion against God or idolatry of some kind, which leads to rebellion against God. There are a few of those references. Uh, 
So for for the Jewish person, six can be a good number, but gener generally six is a bad number. Here it's very clearly a bad individual. Uh, this person who is referred to as the beast, also connected to six, not once, not twice, but three times. Um, but it's also somebody that they could identify. Okay, let's look at the summary here. Talk about who most people think this is talking about. Uh, this number uh, is a direct reference to a man in Revelation. So says the text. There's no argument there. Sometimes this number uh, in some manuscripts, I believe it's in fewer manuscripts than the other number. Uh, but sometimes there, there are some manuscripts that have 616 instead of 666. Either way, uh, there were a couple ways to write out the name of uh, Nero, the Caesar, uh, at this time. And either way, uh, if you take those, and I, those are in the brackets there, uh, NRWN, obviously Hebrew equivalents, uh, QSR or NRWQSR, uh, in the Hebrew, it's going to add up to uh, 666 this way or 616 the other way. I wonder who this horrible, persecuting man that is identified as this evil beast could be. Oh, probably the one that's causing all of this horrible persecution for all the Christians here uh, and things like that. Okay, so there you go. We have five minutes. Uh, six references, the incompleteness of man, the enemies of God, particularly within Revelation, uh, this bad enemy and all of that stuff. Okay, we have five minutes, so what do we skip? What do we skip? Um, ten, just very quickly, and I think we'll just jump to kind of the summary of this. Ten is a organizational number, normally. Again, positive and negative. All these numbers can go either way. Um, ten has to do with like a gathering, a congregation, a group that's working together. Uh, and throughout the Revelation references, you have ten horns, which we're told very clearly at one spot, these are ten kings. Okay? And these are not good kings. These are kings opposed to God. Uh, so you have ten used in Revelation generally negatively, uh, talking about this congregation of those opposed to God. Uh, then we'll skip into twelve there. Twelve is also... A congregational kind of number, a grouping number. The Hebrew letter, the 12th one, is associated with uh, being shepherded, being gathered together, and all of this stuff. Uh, when you think about the 12 apostles, the 12 tribes of Israel, all of that sort of stuff, that's how God chose to organize his people, uh, was, with, was with 12 pretty often. Uh, and those references come up. Specifically, the 12 tribes and the 12 apostles are referenced within Revelation. And so 12 is meant to be connected to the, the gathering of God's people uh, in, in that kind of a way. Uh, so this would remind the reader of the need for unity and organization in the following of God. Uh, similar to 10's organization, but 12 is generally more positively used. Uh, 24 is a number that shows up quite a few times. Yeah, 24. Uh, some will say, well, that's just doubling of 12, which, yeah, I mean, that's part of it. Uh, 20, what's, what's better than 12? What if we have 12 two times? So like a united 
two groups of God's people. That's kind of the idea. You have to take two, you have to take 12, get 24. Anyway, there you go. Or 12 and 12 get to this number. This is where this stuff starts to, because look, that's my question too of, but why? But when you trace how the numbers are used, this generally points to one direction or the other of, okay, 24, generally a very good thing here. Uh, 24 elders before the throne. That's what's used most of the time. 24 thrones where the 24 elders are sitting here is a positive thing uh, within God's throne room here. Uh, and it has to do with the people of God, like 12 suggests to us. So, okay, uh, 144,000 going to the top of page 7. Uh, the Old Testament references here don't really have any. <coughs> But the suggestion, well, because you see this in uh, Revelation 7. You have the 12 tribes specifically referenced. Uh, and there's 12,000 from each of these tribes and all of that. But then it goes to talk about all of the tribes and nations and all of this stuff. A phrase that we've looked at already. And so the idea is this, uh, if you take 12 as the organization of God's people, and then you have 12,000 within each of all of these we're, what we're dealing with, very simply, and I think the text bears this out with that phrase, all tribes, nations, languages, and peoples that we have show up, that you're going to have all these people from all over that are going to be joined to God now and come to be joined with God uh, then. Okay, I know this is quick. It's what we got to do. Uh, then you get the phrase times time and half a time, and here's what we're going to do with that. Uh, we'll just start in with that next week. And then move into, because uh, this phrase is one that is used a couple other times. Both of them are in Daniel. There's a lot to be said about all of that, uh, as we've seen. So, page 8, there on the back. The conclusion. This, this is what matters about the number stuff. If you don't understand how all the number stuff works, great. Like As I said last week, I... Don't either. So uh, we're, we're learning all of this stuff as we go. This is one that's uh, a little bit more out of my wheelhouse. You know, uh, part of preaching is that I don't have to do math. And so throwing numbers in is just not fair. Uh, the conclusion is this. Uh, though hard to understand as modern readers, these numbers, in addition to the familiar phrases and keywords we have and will discuss, serve to provide comfort to the ancient reader. The writing of Revelation is full of references in both word and number that remind them that they are not the first ones to go through such a persecution, that God will bring about deliverance as he always has. That's why the numbers are there. It's just another reinforcing of this happened this time too to these people, and the prophets wrote about it and wrote these numbers too. They survived. God delivered. That's going to happen here uh, in the book. That's why they're there. Uh, we're going to talk about that Daniel phrase, the times time, half a time thing. Uh, and we're also going to talk about the, the rapture next week, because this is where the idea comes from. Don't believe in the rapture at all. So we're going to talk about that uh, and go from there. But uh, right where that comes from, what it is, we'll discuss through that next week. Thanks for being here.